a lot of people don't like to take a risk to build a product, but I was willing to risk everything to build yeah. this product. Yeah, yeah. I, I so mean, for me, it was just a like a you can call it a bribe, call it whatever you want. <laughs> to me, it was a bribe. To David, it was like a sign of damn. Hey guys, welcome to the first episode of From the Ground Up, a show about college students starting something big. I'm Akira Lee, and today on the show we have David Bodas and Hussein Boxwella, two students from the University of Michigan. David previously led a pilot project with Lyft, and Hussein is a credit card guru who has traveled to over 20 countries completely on credit card points. They're trying to help you maximize your credit card rewards faster with the help of an AI travel assistant, and that's their product, Canopay.co. Canopay.co. Canopay.co is essentially a website that helps you optimize your spending across credit cards, right? So, Hussein, you love credit card churning. Do you want to go for it? Yeah, I got it. I started credit card churning when I was twelve. Um, essentially, we were going to go to Houston to meet some family, and、uh, we were booking the hotel. And on the Hilton website, this offer popped up, which was like a hundred thousand points after you spend a thousand dollars, right? So we opened this credit card. We meet the thousand dollars spend. It was like an insurance bill or something. And then,、um, basically, we used those points to then like get a free hotel for like a week in Houston. I was like, holy, like there's something like. This is kind of crazy.、Mm-hmm. So then I go down this like crazy rabbit hole for years and years, and by the end of it today, I think we have almost eighty active credit cards open in our entire family. I've traveled to over twenty countries, completely on credit card rewards and points. For free. For free. Completely free. Completely free. Not not only that, but it's also with status, right? So like all of the all of the travel is insane luxury travel. Um, Hussein has basically an encyclopedic knowledge of what benefits he can extract from every single step of the way, <laughs> right? And so that's the thing is, is that what are we really trying to do? Is we're really trying to put Hussein's knowledge into a software that makes it ultra convenient for people. So essentially, have all of your itinerary stored to your travel goals, right? So everything all in one place for your travel itinerary, whether that be your flights, your hotels, your rental cars, your excursions, your、uh, budget for your Points budget for your flight and your hotel. You also have your budget for restaurants and dining and experiences. We're managing your finances and your travel in one place, so we actually are making it convenient and fun. You heard it right. Hussein started building his encyclopedic knowledge about credit cards when he was 12 years old. So I had to ask him. How did that even happen? All right, so let's time travel back. Now you're twelve years old. Okay. How did you start doing the credit card? How did you start serving as a, cre- a travel agent for your parents? Okay, so it started with, as anyone would do, a beautiful little Google search. <laughs> That's where we start, and I find this blog called The Points Guy. <laughs> And then from there, I discovered a whole bunch of different blogs, like One Mile at a Time, Frequent Miler, Milestone Memories,、um, Mommy Points. Like there are all these different bloggers out there, and I just sort of starting started getting into it, right? And then 
at some point I just start of I just sort of start opening just start convincing my parents to open a credit card like one or two credit cards every now and then maybe like a big bill like a tax bill coming up right or um any sort of like we repairs right or anything that's big that's coming up as an expense open a credit card put it on that credit card um over time then i eventually had accumulated enough points in alaska airlines um they had some some really good promos back then and my first ever like crazy redemption was a business class flight from Boston to Hong Kong on Cathay Pacific. And that was like flying business class for the first time. It's like, whoa, <laughs> you can't go back. Like once you sit in business, lie flat seat, 16 hour flight, you can't go back. And that's like, that's, that's like, it's like a drug. After that, um, I just kept going on successively successful, like just more and more crazy trips. And then around 2021, early 2021, I joined this Slack group for the first time. I heard about this Slack group from a really, really long time. That group basically was a place where it was like pseudo. It was kind of about credit card points, but a lot of it was about like reselling. At some point, I realized that this guy who runs his like Slack group basically doesn't do. <laughs> he doesn't do anything. Every deal is posted by people in his group. Every message between people in his group, he shows up like once a week and says like hi. So does he get paid for sixty bucks a month? Hello. And he had five hundred users. Wow. Yeah. And then you decided to start. I'm like this. So Hussein was like basically like. How can I make a Discord that's half the price and also provides bots and more value? value? So then I'm like, like so I I <laughs> I make the group in July of 2021. Um, officially launches at the end of the month, and the the way I basically promoted the group is it's, it's kind of crazy. I basically had a doc, and it was like it was like. It was like a declaration of independence, like grievances against this guy's group. <laughs> and I posted this Google Doc of grievances, but this guy is not doing what I'm going to do. I just spammed it in his group everywhere, in all of his channels, spammed it on like Telegram, WhatsApp, all the places that I'm in. Literally like grievances, again, not to be named group. Um, and then people just started joining. I just started, these are, these are people that like never use Discord, the vast majority of them, you know, because of like the age demographic. And it's just crazy. And then how many people are in your Discord? A hundred, hundred folks. A hundred. So I'm making three thousand. Thirty-six a year. Wow. So, um, so Discord group's running good. This is like mid 2021 into 2022. And the thing is, is that the idea for Canopy existed since 2016 in my head. Your head. In some form. In some form. The very basic form of Canopy has existed since 2016. In 2017, I there's like this thing called BPA, which is like similar to DECA, if you've heard of that, at the high school level. High school club. High school club. And there was like this competition, and I submitted like the business plan for the initial, it was called Card Cashers, um, <laughs> back in the day. I still have that business plan. Um... And <laughs> that was good. I came like first place in the state for that. And that was like pretty cool for like 
a, like a 15 year old right can i ask what the business plan was oh yeah 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 it was a very it's basically what max rewards does today yeah it's very yeah. basic it basically you would add all your cards in and then it would basically help you pick the best credit card and help you like track your rewards so very basic I level see. of it um using like the card catchers recommendation engine it was super <laughs> cool business plan um and then i sort of sat on it i wanted to build it and then i just kept pushing it off pushing it off pushing it off and then card catchers came out card so not card catchers sorry um max rewards max rewards came out i was like damn you know like did um, your idea just died or it didn't die but it just sort of set it was just sitting in like la la land Purgatory. It was just purgatory. It was in purgatory, just like sitting there. Maybe I'll work on it. Then I get to college. I try starting it. Um, I think I, I tried actually at UFM starting the idea like one to two times. Didn't really work out. Didn't find a good fit of like a co-founder. Then I was like, I come into my junior year and I'm like, I'm going to take this class as like an entrepreneurial management class. And I'm like, I don't care if my idea gets selected. I don't care about nothing. No matter what, I'm going to use this class as a way to start this company. And then, um, I meet Mr. Botus. <laughs> How, what was the moment like? Basically, we, we were talking, he's like, everything's short of, I kind of need you on my team. Yeah, like, are you going to come like, on board? Like, I know you don't like this. I know, like, I know you like the product, but do you really like the team because they're not really valuing you or caring about you like are you coming on board did you have a team at that point i had a few people yeah but few people but it was iffy it, it, it was a little weird i don't want to get into the details he's saying, he's saying i'm just gonna say um from what you've told me tell me if i'm wrong but you were so passionate to get this done that i i didn't care i was going to do it yeah mm -hmm. so for me i anybody that's willing to hop on the come bandwagon on board. if not then you know it's okay. Since then, you've learned quite a bit about what makes a good team member. Which we'll, but, <laughs> we'll get into that in a little bit. But um, so yeah, I, so you, I asked you David. You paid for my superhuman subscription. Okay, yeah. Which so was the... you spoiled it. You spoiled it. Okay. <laughs> so like, do you want to come on board? He was like, you know, I don't know, I don't know. And I was like, then I think I saw you at like Superhuman or something. And Superhuman's like this tech the most bro goated, email client. Goaded email in the world. <laughs> so I'm like, if if I pay your twenty dollar a month Superhuman subscription, will you come on board? He was like. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so you went on board just because of Superhuman subscription? No, and then no, 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 no. Not just because of Superhuman subscription, because of what that means. What does that mean? What kind of student is willing to pay, like scalp talent? <laughs> that means he's like, he's like serious. You know, like people don't pay a Superhuman subscription for somebody unless they are like, they mean business at this level. And they... On a more, I, I guess to put that in perspective, it's the idea that I am willing to invest and willing to, like David said, be commit to David and say, David, I want you on my team. And I put a financial like tie to that because the idea is, is that not cash, really, not cash, but just it's like it's more of like a motivational thing because the idea is it is could that be any indicator of respect. Respect. I would say. Yeah, because what happens is. A lot of people don't like to take a risk to build a product, but I was willing to risk everything to build yeah. this product. Yeah, yeah. I, I so mean, for me, it was just a like a you can call it a bribe, call it whatever you want. <laughs> to me, it was a bribe. To David, it was like a sign of damn. Yeah, we we've talked about like like 
I mean, that is a big reason why I latched on, but we've even talked about it. Like, it is pretty crazy how I, like, dove headfirst in once I saw that. Like, really hardcore. Um, I don't think we really... I, I think it's an ongoing conversation for David and I about, like, that entire dynamic. And this is getting really deep, right? Our entire dynamic of how we met each other and how we got so latched to each other from the very beginning. So, anyways... David comes on board. Then we sort of have the class project going, but me and David spin it off, right? And we're like, we are going to build a company together, David and I. Mm-hmm. Um, so we start working on the idea. We start, you know. Every day. Every single day. Hours and hours and hours and hours and working on trying I, to build the product. I asked myself when we started getting like, when we started getting a little bit closer to launch, we had a conversation in your car that was like, every day? Like, Why? Like, why did we do that? Like, what what triggered <laughs> like what triggered us to say like, I mean, I don't know. We've come a long way in the last six months. I started out, like David says, somebody who just really wanted to build. I knew that there was potential for it to be really, really big, but then I saw like Backs Award, I saw all these other folks, and I was like, okay, why don't I just build for this very specific niche, right? Usually it's a pretty good idea. Um, so I think David really, really helped me build that sort of broader perspective. And, and it's David's like drive that started driving that like worked towards my driving even, like even more faster. Yeah. If that makes any sense, right? Like yeah. I was motivated by David being motivated in a product that he realistically has no idea about. He knows nothing about the space. Now I know. Now it's far than, too much that he needs more, to know about this More space. than I want to. But for a guy that like just, he has no idea what's going on, yet he's so passionate and so dedicated. That was like, and I was like, to me, I was like, you know, I am already so passionate, so I should be doing like 10x. Mm-hmm. And that's like, that started propelling the company forward. So Hussein got David on board with the lure of a superhuman subscription. And now, according to Hussein, they need to build a really good team. After break, David and Hussein's unusual start to build their team and how they motivated their team by not paying them. Stay with us and you're listening to From the Ground Up Produced by Akira Lee and Brian Travis. This podcast is sponsored by Entrepreneur Power Hour. Entrepreneur Power Hour build communities across college campuses to bring together inspiring college entrepreneurs. It is the place for founders, creatives, storytellers, and visionaries. If you aspire to change the world by creating, if you're doing things a bit unconventionally, this is the place for you. Check out their website at entrepreneurpowerhour.com and get involved. Yeah. So you met Davis Lachon to Hussein. What what did what did you guys start to do? So Fundamentally, we started out by saying, once we sort of had the idea fleshed out a little bit more, we're like, we need to build a really f***ing good team mm-hmm. that's passionate and dedicated for the product. Mm-hmm. So what did we do? What was David's amazing idea? <laughs> we printed out flyers that had a QR code on them, 
like dozens and dozens of flyers. This is stupid simple. Walked around the BBB and the dude and just went up to people and just started pitching them. And the BBB and the dude are... The Engineering buildings. We, Engineering... We walked around, walked around the buildings. A few people... Some people told us, like, f*** off. Like, yeah. stop <laughs> bothering me. There were, there were some... Belligerent people. Yeah, there were some but people eventually who were really we found, They literally said that to you. Like, like stop bothering me. Like, just, just, yeah, just why are you bothering, bothering me? me? We why went to someone else. We're like, why are you bothering us? Plus, oh. a lot of people... I mean, the biggest thing is the fact that if you're pitching an engineer... Um, you focus on Hussein's CS degree and you stray away from mentioning my business degree. <laughs> <laughs> what, okay. What did you say to the engineer? We just pitched them the idea. We want to build a way to help people optimize your credit card spending and rewards. And we got some really cool people. A few people signed up, the QR code. They sent us our GitHub link, Google Form. And we, we interviewed got it, like 11 people. 11 people. So we got on the interview. Our interview... As Matt said, which is like our goaded engineer, he basically said that's the hardest interview that I've ever done. He worked at AWS in before. He his past internship was AWS. It was not what a technical interview. What did you guys do? What we did is basically we were trying to. So the original idea was basically a single credit card mm-hmm. that you could use to like you would just swipe that credit card, and it would like just pick the best credit card from all the cards in your wallet and charge it to that credit card. We had this idea and we we're like you know we kind of knew how to do it but we didn't really know how it would work from a technical perspective so we literally just asked people imagine you're at kroger checking out and you have this credit card describe to us how this would work on the back end like how the technology would work to make this actual like rerouting of transactions happen we didn't even know the answer <laughs> and you just asked and we just the asked engineers. them we just asked the engineers how would you do it what, what did they say a variety of ideas. A variety of ideas. I mean, we didn't end up using any of the ideas because we went in a pretty different direction, but we provided them with all of the research that we had done. And we we started explaining to them how, like, were. interchange fees, like merchant MCC, merchant category yep. codes, all this super nitty gritty of credit cards. We gave, we, them everything, we gave them everything they needed to create. That took me years to learn. I yep. dumped it on them in 10 minutes and told them, give me an answer. Yeah. Wow. And that's how we did our interviews. And we ended up finding four incredibly, incredibly talented people. Mm-hmm. So that's the beginning of the Canopy team. Right, so we get this founding team. There's very conventional wisdom that says that you should never pay your first people on your team. If you're paying them, you're doing something wrong. And that, I think, is absolutely true. David and I thought that that wasn't true, that there has to be some sort of motivator from the very start to get people actually like engaged and passionate about a project but over time we realized that for every dollar that we put in in direct compensation we have got close very very little out of it whereas every dollar that we put in towards team building towards paying for dinner lunch towards some, like some some dollars put towards that has even pushed us in the uh, wrong direction. Yeah, some dollars <laughs> that we put towards actual compensation has moved us backwards. We've regressed because of it. So every dollar that's put in towards like intangible team building to actually make people feel that they're valued, to make your entire team like feel more cohesive, that has actually propelled us forward. Today, no one on our team is being paid a single dollar. I would I would also say that there's something that I'm learning more recently as well about like tone setting. Which is that I guess everyone has their own culture in their own team, but I feel like 
so like when when Hussein says like intangible team building, ninety nine percent of college students will walk away and they'll say, oh yeah, like get get a case of beers and have people over to play video games, and that's like what most people will walk away with. But the reality is is that that's I don't think what you mean at all. Not at all. What I mean by intangible team building is the idea of figuring out ways to motivate motivate your team to believe in the product that you're building and to some extent go to a unreasonable level of dedication and passion towards the project. Our entire team is so dedicated to the product, they're dedicated to us as co-founders, they're dedicated to themselves in terms of like their own personal growth and how they can benefit from, from working at this company. They will do, just like I today, just like I will do everything to make Canopay work, every single person on this team will do everything it takes to make Canopay work. Matt, Jack, Cooper, Raghav, Everyone on this team will do literally everything it takes to make this company work. And that's a sort of like insane, like delusional, (laughs) (laughs) frankly, delusional level of dedication and passion that can just happen by being really good leaders. So so what what actually what actually like gets you there, though, in in my opinion, things got to flow naturally. If you're headed on the right track, you'll know because it's just working naturally. And I guess that the hard thing is is that I don't have years and years and years of experience where this has applied to a bunch of different startups where it's worked eight times and I can say definitively that this is the way. <laughs> this but, is the way. <laughs> <laughs> but like but like I will say that like for us at least, I think that the most important thing has been getting people to understand what the product means to them and the people that they care about. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh oftentimes I think that that means that uh learning to change your vision to accommodate the people that join your team. Right. When 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 it's a genuinely good idea and when they are willing to put it in because it's like the reality is is you don't have a lot to offer at the early stages of a startup and one of the main things that you have to offer is what you are building right so don't get too off track make it make it driven by data but also uh be open and flexible to the what it could what, what, it, what it could build. be what it could be right and and people are only going to get really passionate about things that are personally important to them a lot of people say that you should you should not try thinking too big right keep yourself grounded i think the only way that we've gotten so far is by literally are what matt something that matt said right mm-hmm. is that the only way that I know that I'm thinking about the right things is when I think about them, I'm like, how could this ever happen? Like, yeah, this is literally impossible fast. to build. And then like a week That is later, when you know that your company's you... in the right direction, when your team members start thinking like that. Yeah. The last note I'll say is that if, like, for anyone at the university, right, at, at you, Mitch, if you, I would say, if you want to try finding like-minded people like you, I would absolutely say that you have to go to V1. Like, yes. V1 is honestly, I would say, the best entrepreneurship community at this university.
So, if you didn't know, the AI travel assistant David and Hussein are building is actually a capybara, an intriguing choice, don't you think? But what I didn't know is that there is in fact a powerful story behind it. Why did you guys choose the capybara? I think capybaras are a funny, a funny character to choose. I think it's a very natural fit for our team.、Um, I also think that it's just nice that like capybaras are the friends of the animal kingdom. You'll see like a capybara riding a crocodile, and it's like, <laughs> okay.、Oh. Like, uh, But we we decided to kind of latch on not just because our team liked capybaras, me especially, <laughs> <Yeah> . but、um, but also because we thought you know it's the friend of the animal kingdom, it ties into kind of our、uh, more natural nature aspect.、Um, a big part of our company is that from the very start we did it, decided to dedicate one percent of our equity to environmental causes,、um, and a big thing that we really want to do is make it so that. All of the flights booked on Canopy have the carbon offset. So carbon、wow. offsetting is, you know, people people knock on it, but you know the the plane is going to fly anyways. You know, reward seats are unsold seats at its core, right? So effectively, if the plane is going to fly anyway, and you're taking an unsold seat, you're distributing the carbon load across more people, which is, I guess, good no matter what, right? Then if we could offset. The carbon emissions related to that seat on the plane, I feel like that would be really compelling. And the the other, I think, is,、um, the other thing beyond carbon offsets we want to look into is called SAF, Sustainable、yes. Aviation Fuel. Yes. So we're going to start with carbon offsets and then see if we can sort of start subsidizing SAF costs、um, It, per seat. It's it's sad, right? Because my my concept about like social entrepreneurship and doing good with business models is the fact that. Uh, if you don't set up a sustainable way for the business model to continue succeeding, your like your total average, your total aggregate good that you do for the world is going to be smaller, right? So, I mean, you see startups all the times nowadays,、uh, blitz scale in an unsustainable way, just burning cash left and right just to get users, not even to do any good, right? And、um, in in much the same way, you could. I guess blitz scale your your environmental impact and make that a core pillar. But the reality is, is that you know I think that Hussein and I, just in general about the way that we look about business, have a very how do we maximize long term right versus necessarily short term gain. Yeah, yeah. So,、um, yeah, sustainable aviation fuel is also、uh, what my point was. Why it's sad is sustainable aviation fuel is. Probably like a more interesting and cool investment. Hussein loves planes. <laughs> He loves everything about planes. He knows everything about planes. So the, what I was going to say about SAF is the fact that、um, carbon neutral vacations,、uh, anyone can buy that. We're using our money to invest in a future where the good is technically maximized because. Sustainable aviation fueler is fuel is a more sustainable solution than just offsetting one flight. So I mean, so. that's awesome. So you guys are using one、uh, percent of your equity to invest in 
sustainable aviation fuel or right now just environmental causes in general mm-hmm. so the at a smaller scale we have to look at the unit economics right and understand is it carbon offsets is it saf how much can we reinvest into sort of these causes based on what type of trips our users are booking we're not sure right now and, and but what we do, do have that what commitment. do users care about most right because the thing is is that like i was saying you have to make it sustainable so if our end goal i mean we've dedicated one percent to environmental one thing i was going to mention is the fact that there's a huge problem with over touristing in certain areas right and so whether it's this whole umbrella of things related to the environment, um, travel, any kind of negative impacts that our business could possibly have by just being in the industry of travel. You, you can guarantee, I'm not going to say names, but you can guarantee that any other travel company doesn't give a shit, <laughs> you know? So, like, uh, sustainable aviation fuel is something we personally care about. That's David and Hussein, founders of Canopate.co. Before we leave, how can people reach you? Oh, oh my God! <laughs> Canopay.co. C A N O P A Y dot co. Hey! 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 Thanks for tuning in to the very first episode of From the Ground Up. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and do us a favor: write us a review on the platform you are listening in. You can contact us directly at podftgu at gmail.com. That's p-o-d-f-t-g-u at gmail.com. You've been listening to From the Ground Up, hosted and produced by me, Akira Lee, and Brian Travis. The music in this episode is from Blue Dot Sessions. Special thanks to my co-producer Brian for joining me to make this podcast happen. Thanks also to Liz Furtick, Justin Shell, and Ryan Wilcox. There will be a new episode in two weeks.